do you know why people, why certain ad campaigns actually take off and other ones don't? Well, today I'm interviewing James Bond, James I. Bond, uh, the author of Brain Glue. And James talks a lot about, uh, he went through 35 years of studying what advertising slogans worked and why they worked uh, and started to apply that with clients. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. Look forward to sharing his story with you and sharing uh, some of the concepts of Brain Glue. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. All right, everybody, welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. We're back with another interview, and today is going to be extra special because I am interviewing James Bond. Bond, James Bond. Well, James I. Bond. James is a an author. You're going to learn a lot about his book, Brain Glue, today. We're going to learn a little bit about his story, so I'm looking forward to it. James, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm, My parents had me, but you have me. Well, too, yeah, so I, you. I, I, you got to me as soon as you could, but yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so why don't we start off a little bit? Why don't you tell us your story on how you got to where you're at today, and then we'll get into a little bit about brain glue and the book and all that good stuff. Sure. I started in Montreal. I live in Los Angeles now. I've been here for 37 years. In Montreal, I started an advertising agency. Worked my way up and eventually had Fortune 500 companies, you know, major companies, Crafts, Timex, Avon, Seagram's is world headquarters is there. So we won them as clients, which is fantastic. And then I had the opportunity to the anti-drug campaign in America because, mm. you know, we had like connections because of the work that we we're doing. And so I came up with logical reasons why people need to not do drugs. And it was really, they loved it. They thought it was really fantastic. But eventually they I, we lost and they showed us what we lost to. <laughs> and it was the advertisement, the ad, uh, the commercials that ran that had a guy holding an egg and says, this is your brain. And then he breaks the shell and drops the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? <laughs> and when I saw the ad, I knew it was a gazillion times more powerful than the ad that we created. You know, ours was logical. Theirs was emotional, emotion selling, emotional selling. And it terrified me because... I, you know, I'm in advertising and I don't know emotion selling, you know, even life, I don't know emotion selling. And this is really, it, it gives me a tremendous disadvantage. And I am a technical person. So it freaked me out. At first I was terrified. I was like, have I gotten into the wrong profession? Mm. But eventually, you know, after a few days of just really freaking out and sleepless nights, I started to get to, the scientist in me came out and said, I wonder if I can learn uh, emotional selling eventually right brain selling. Mm -hmm. huh? And so I came up with this idea, you know, and school doesn't teach this. I don't know why school doesn't teach us because there are two major studies. There's a study by Harvard prof business professor, uh, Gerald Zaltman, and uh, a Nobel Prize winning psychologist, Daniel uh, Kahneman. Mm -hmm. And these guys don't know each other, but they came up with studies and they, they demonstrated that more than 90% of all uh, decision making is uh, the emotion side of the brain. You've got to trigger the emotion side of the brain. 
And what happens is I'm a logical person. If you just dump logic on people, you know, a lot of people, they're friends with you or maybe they're, you know, coworkers or whatever else they know you. But in general, you have to trigger the emotion, trigger the emotion side of the brain. In fact, coworkers will do it because even though you're doing logic to logic, they know you. So they're emotionally attached to you. Mm-hmm. But so we have to understand emotion. And so what I did was I, I, I created this box. I call it a passion box. And I said, I wrote on the card, on a three by five card, your brain on drugs. So I remember that campaign and I put it in the box. And I gave myself this project. It's actually a 35 year project. So I've been doing it for 35 years. I'm old, by the way. So what can I say? <laughs> but I started every time, I, every time I see something or watch something or hear something, hear even a quote that was really profound mm-hmm. and powerful, I would write it on a three by five card. Or my wife hated going to uh, doctor's offices with me because. I'd open up a magazine and have an old magazine sitting there and I'd see an ad that was fantastic. I go, oh, he goes, oh, God, don't, don't tear it out. Don't tear it out. So today we've got phones and I'm clicking on my yeah. phone. But I'd tear it out and really it's away from me. I do not know that guy, you know. <laughs> but I put it in the passion box. Okay. Well, so one day um, when we came to California, I started a behavioral management firm. So I'm very focused on behavioral management, but I came with my box, okay. And one day I'm sitting with uh, John Gray, and John Gray is telling me that he wrote this book, Men, Women, and Relationships. And it's a fabulous book. It's one of the best relationship books ever. But he sold a couple of thousand copies, you know, and that's not a lot if you spend all this time to write a book, you know, 2,000 copies isn't that much. But so he's doing a, a, a seminar uh, with a bunch of people trying to promote his book, and he says something, and all the women in the audience start laughing hysterically. And the guys look at the women and go like, what did he say that was so funny? What are you <laughs> laughing at? And so they, he said, well, you see, I mean, men and women, they'll laugh at different things. And then one of the women in the audience says, yeah, it's almost like men are from a different planet. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's like men are from Mars. And they laughed hysterically, the whole audience, men and women. So when he gets home, he's thinking, if men are from, if men are from Mars, where are women from? Well, I guess women are from Venus because Venus is the god of love. Mm-hmm. And he got this crazy idea. What happens if I... Change the title of the book to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. You know, I'll go into the book and I'll add, you know, things that make sense, that relate to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. But it's the same basic mm-hmm. book. Yeah. What do you think happened? The book exploded. <laughs> Almost overnight, he sold half a million copies, then a million copies, then two million, then five million. Eventually, he sold 50 million copies. So he went from 20,000 to 50 million copies just because he changed the title. I mean, it's amazing. amazing. It's mind blowing. Fifty million copies. At ten bucks a book, that's half a yeah. billion dollars. It's not bad, you know. Yeah. But I was floored by this. And when I went home, I went home and I had obviously a copy of the book. I put. I went to put the copy of the book in a box in my a passion box, and I stopped and I said, "Wait a second, this is too powerful." So I I laid out my bed, you know, my my blanket on my bed and uh, my bedspread, and I took the box and I dumped it onto the bed, and mm-hmm. I said. This is the logic in me, okay? Are there patterns, okay? Because mm-hmm. men are from Mars, women are from Venus is is a metaphor, or it's you know it's an analogy. You know, men aren't really from. I mean, we, we might be from another planet, ladies out there. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but men are, you know, we're not really from Mars, but it's it makes its point, okay? Yeah. And as an analogy, so I started putting things in piles, and I started to recognize, wow, this fits in this pile, this fits in that pile. So let me take uh, analogy or metaphor. Uh, think of this show. Well, of course, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, Shark Tank. It's mm-hmm. not a tank full of sharks, the TV show. Yep. If it was called 
I mean, it probably feels like a tank of sharks if you're on the show, by the way. They're attacking mm-hmm. you, biting you. But if if it was called the Investors Club, you think as many people would love it? No. Yeah. There's something about using an analogy or a metaphor. Shark Tank is really profound. So then I saw I had been reading about uh, Rocky Road ice cream. And it mm-hmm. turned dryers into a massive blockbuster of success. And so Rocky Road, it isn't like when you open it up, you get rocks. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. rocks in it. It's bumps because it's, it's uh, nuts and marshmallows. So Rocky Road, okay, that's good. But it also uses another tool, which I call brain glue tools now, okay? And it's because brain glue sticks to the brain like glue. It gets people to stick to your brain, things to stick to your brain like glue. But Rocky Road uses uh, the repeating sound, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you hear the repeating sound, alliter- um, alliteration, well, uh, the repeating sound, it's losing my mind. I went like Rocky Road. Okay, wow. Look at what else mm-hmm. uses alliteration. Coca-Cola. I never mm-hmm. even thought of it. Best Buy. PayPal. TikTok. You think it's – these are billion-dollar companies. You think it's a coincidence that they use alliteration in their in their names? No. So I started to realize, wow. I mean, like we get into politics. Biden's build back better. Trump's, you know, make America great again. Do good, great again. I mean, they mm-hmm. recognize in politics and people recognize who understand persuasion that alliteration could be a really powerful tool. Okay, so as I went through alliteration, I started realizing, okay, so there was um, a product called Squatty Potty, and Squatty Potty was uh, created by um, a husband and wife in Utah, and it went from zero. They have no business experience. It went from zero to $100 million in two years because of the name Squatty Potty. You know, I mean, it's a toilet stool. You put your legs up and it sort of helps your body when you go to the yeah. bathroom. You know, you think if they called it the toilet stool, it would be as successful as Squatty yeah, not Potty? Not as much. No yeah, way. Not, Probably not as much. You know, yeah. I mean, squat, yeah, because there's something about Squatty Potty that triggers things in the brain. Okay, and it makes it easier to remember and it, it triggers the right side of the brain, which is the emotion side. There's this law that's in, in neuroscience called Hebb's Law, and Hebb's Law says neurons that fire together wire together, which means if you talk about too much logic, it's one thing, but if you say something that has an analogy in it, it triggers different parts of the brain, and suddenly the brain becomes much more engaged in it. Mm-hmm. So then one of the other things, as I'm looking at it, Squatty Potty is almost like a rhyme. I mean, I yeah. don't know about you, but I remember – uh, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of what of water. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm like old. I can remember it was over 65 years ago that I heard that, and yet on my deathbed, if you said Jack and Joe went up the hill, I'd finish it because I remember yeah. it. It sticks to the brain like glue. Yeah. It's really powerful. I, I think so, of the uh, a, it, like when I was when I was growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, the uh, the Schoolhouse Rock series of of you know videos they used to play on weekends you know it was like a short basically like a short commercial and you know i could i bet you i could today if you if you started me off i could probably alliterate every single one of those because they just work so well well and you never you don't realize how powerful this is so the eagles have a song and it goes i've been standing on the corner of winslow arizona such a fine sight to see it's a girl my lord in a flatbed ford going down for their meat they did not intend this, but Winslow, Arizona became really successful as yep. a tourist town. People stop mm-hmm. at Winslow, Arizona all the time because of that song. In fact, it's so good, and they get so many tourists, they created a statue of a lamppost with a sign that says, standing on the corner, and a guy leaning yeah. on a lamppost. So people, tourists, yeah. can take pictures yeah, they've actually got a whole bronze sculpture now of the eagles there and a girl in a truck 
Yeah. So yeah, they've they've and, and nobody right. would have even heard of Winslow, Arizona today had they not. Yeah. No, except for our truck. Well, yeah. Uh, so um, O.J. Simpson was up for a murder trial for a wife of his, the, the the murder of his wife and his, his girlfriend or boyfriend, yeah, or supposed boyfriend, whatever it was. And Johnny Cochran, they had a ton of evidence, and Johnny Cochran used rhyme. He yep. said, "If the gloves don't fit, you must acquit." Yep. And while O.J. was pretending it didn't fit him and all that stuff, and so I remember after the trial, two of the jurors were being asked, "How did? Why did you acquit the guy? Why did you let him go when there was so much evidence against him?" And they both said, hey, we knew if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. The gloves didn't fit, so we had to acquit. Yeah. You know, the power of, of rhyme is really, really amazing. Then you have yeah. things like um, chiasmus, which is a rhyme is like A, B, A, B. Well, chiasmus is a flip, A, B, B, A. And so you have things like um, winners never quit and quitters never win. Mm-hmm. You know, when the tough get going. The going gets, you know, when the, the tough wind, gets, when the going gets tough, going the tough stop, get going. The tough Sorry, get going, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so we have uh, uh, comedians use this all the time. I'd rather have mm-hmm. a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Frontal lobotomy, yep. Okay. Mae West was a famous person who used to, she was like for, you know, ages ago in the beginning of the movie business, the movie industry. But she said, women like a man with a past. Sorry. Yeah. Women like a man with a past, but they prefer a man with a present. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want that present, honey. Yeah. You know, she said, good girls go to heaven, bad girls go everywhere. <laughs> she was funny. But so as we went through these things, I started to realize, I realized that I can apply this. You know, this is so powerful that so many people are making a ton of money from this that I can apply this to my clients. Eventually, I work for the U.S. Small Business Administration. I do like workshops and, and seminars mm-hmm. and I share with like hundreds and hundreds of people, which is really great. So I get to see hear feedback from them. But it was early in my career of um, brain glue career that I recognized this is powerful and that I could, uh, you know, well, let me start applying this with clients. Mm-hmm. So I had this construction company in Glendale, California, and uh, – after 10 years, they had $2 million of sales. There were three partners. Mm-hmm. And after 10 years, they had $2 million of sales. And in one year, by applying this, I took up to $10 million of sales. They actually razzed me because they said, it was supposed to be $12 million. I said, shut up. <laughs> because they bought each other like the biggest, like uh, most expensive BMW as presents each, each other they bought. And then two years later, it went from $10 million to $32 million of sales wow. because of this one thing. What we did was I created a, a whiteboard. Uh, I took a whiteboard. And I created a shopping list of every single type of client they had. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of that shopping list, I said, let's pretend for a second you were only focusing on one. You're only allowed to focus on one. Who would you focus on? What would you focus on? And they looked and they finally came up with fire restoration for insurance companies. They've done a few projects for a few uh, insurance companies and it was very lucrative for them. And they could actually specialize their business on that. So if uh, you know there's a fire, one of their clients, uh, insurance companies, clients had a fire, then, you know, they could check to see is the frame okay. If it's not okay, you got to collapse the whole building. If it is okay, you know, you can put things up and everything else. And so I also, I said, well, let's come up with a brain glue tool. Okay. And uh, they said, okay, so let's call it fire extinguisher. You guys did a fire extinguisher for, for insurance companies. You know, mm-hmm. we actually came up with the term fire X. So it will be easy to find. And they said, we're the fire extinguisher. And sales literally shot through the roof because they suddenly insurance company after insurance company started saying, yeah, 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 we got, I got another client for you. Here's another client. Here's another project. And every time somebody had a fire problem, man, it went right to these guys and they took off like crazy. In fact, I remember this. 
After they were approaching 32 million of sales, uh, one of the partners said, um, so uh, this is really great what we're doing, but I'd like to, you know, you're talking about freedom, right? Freedom Nation. And the guy said, I'd like to move to Hawaii. So I said, okay, so do you have, uh, any of your clients have branches in Hawaii? He said, yeah, actually. So let's ask that. And so they checked it out and they said, oh yeah, we got branches in Hawaii. If you want to ha handle our, our Hawaii business, we're interested in that too. And he ended up moving his family to Hawaii. So uh, Freedom Nation, let's go. There we go. <laughs> that is the ultimate so, freedom day there. Yeah. But why did he have the freedom? Because he had something that was hot. You yeah. know, it's just like uh, John Gray, who did Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus. He typed his book and went out there. I mean, he did some promotion for it, but he would have done promotion even if it was a failing book. But mm -hmm. it was not a failing book, and it changed his life completely. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, to go to 20,000 copies to 50 million copies, but it applies over and over and over again. I, you know, I've, I've got a ton of clients. I mean, this is one of the first ones, I, the first one that I did it on, but it applies to so many types of businesses. Oh, and it also applies to families. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have this woman, that's this mom who says to me, you know, my two kids, I've got twins, and I read them a story and they want to stay up all night. Can you help me? And I said, mm -hmm. let's come up with a rhyme, okay? When the story's read, we go to bed. Okay, and so she used that with the kids. She said, when the story's read, we go to bed. So she read us the first story, and they're, they're ready. She said, hey, read us another one. They said, oh, when the story's read, they go, Gotta okay, go Molly, bed. we go to bed. We know. <laughs> so she, so it works so well. And she says, well, I got my son who's 14 years old. And he said, Mom, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? And she says, what do I say to him? So I, so we, I was working it through with her. I said, okay, rules. Well, fools rhymes with rules. So why don't we come up with a phrase? Oh, I got it. Only fools don't follow rules. There's a good yeah. line, right? That worked. I said, but let's punch it up even more. Let's use an analogy or a metaphor. And so I sat with her son and I said, you said, you were asking why we have to follow so many rules. Well, if you get thirsty, you could drink water out of the toilet. But why would you want to? Think about yeah. it. Only fools don't follow rules. And he goes, Huh, that makes sense. Okay, that yeah, you you got me there. <laughs> Does it really make sense? Or did I just trigger a bunch of things with him? I mean, yeah. you know, the, and by the way, getting a 14-year-old to say that makes sense is very tough. So I was, Absolutely, you yeah. Know, we were all 14 years old. No, no, it doesn't make sense. But it's just, it's powerful because it triggers parts of the brain that yeah. make you want to say yes and buy. It's just, mm -hmm. it's powerful, you know? And I just, I realized that it's, uh, so when I wrote the book, <laughs> I was, I was talking to you about this, but I wrote the book and I originally called it Sell More with a Right Brain Marketing Strategy. Mm -hmm. That's very left brain, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very That's much. I was going to say, this is definitely a left brain version of a, of a <laughs> Well, I'm a left brain guy. Yeah. I've got, I have to learn right brain. It's a, I didn't realize it's a disadvantage if you know, if you're a left brain logical kind of person, you, you overwhelm, you're in finance or you've come from finance, yeah. you know, when we throw numbers at people, their eyes gloss over a lot of people, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they hated math in school, and now we're hitting with math. You got a 20% yep. increase, and you know, it's like, okay, and whatever it is. And you'll be able to buy, uh, you know, you'll be able to buy a Rolls Royce. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah? You yeah. know? What? <laughs> you just, you wait, you just got my attention. What? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? You get to, you get to we, live in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I can live in Hawaii? All right. What do I have to do? Come on. How long is it going to take? Why do you think I, I created the concept of Freedom Day versus retirement? Freedom Day is a lot. It sounds a whole lot better. It sounds like I have control over that. Well, and I've helped so many people to become wealthy with this. And so what mm -hmm. happened was um, 
I remember this guy that said, oh, getting with rich, that's greedy and everything else. I said, shut up. Oprah Winfrey gets to help a lot more people than you ever get to help. You know, I mean, just if you want to give your money away, you should do some of that. I mean, you should do that. It shouldn't, you shouldn't all be, you know, keeping all yourself. You should pay it forward. But I mean, when you do that, it be, you know, you have lots more people you can help. I mean, she gets to adopt a village, a city, yeah. and basically, you know, helping them all get educated. But so I wrote the book and I called it Sell More with the Right Brain Marketing Strategy. And I got Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, which, by the way, is <laughs> analogy. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it, it isn't like you're drinking chicken soup, you're reading the book. But he originally called it, he was telling me he originally called it Chicken Soup for the Spirit. But the more he thought about it, the more he went, Spirit doesn't work. And he used alliteration, soup, S-O-U-P-S-O-U-L. Chicken soup mm. for the soul sounds much better. And literally, he sold 500 million copies, 100 million copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul and 400 million copies of the other chicken soup, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, for the Cancer Victim Soul, things like that. So 500 million books. But he read the book and he said, two things I'm doing. The first thing is I'm giving a copy to everyone in my company. I'm making it mandatory that they read this, which is kind of Jack Canfield, you know, 500 million books is like five, $10 is $5 billion. It's like, yeah. thank you, you know? Yeah. And he said, you got to do something, okay? You got to change the name of the book. I said, what? He said, you're selling brain glue. You're talking about brain glue. You have a left brain title. You need to change it to brain glue because the whole book is about brain glue. You're talking about yeah. brain glue here, brain glue there. You need to change the title. So he got me to change the title, which is tough, by the way, because you try to get as many reviews as you can. I had to say goodbye sure. to those reviews and start from scratch. But I recognize why, and he he's right. And it, you know, I'm I'm talking about brain glue. It's really powerful, but it's just mm. it affects you. You know, if you're selling if you're selling products or services, it's, it helps you. Um, so there's something called chiasmus, and chiasmus is where brain glue where uh, uh, rhyme is a b a b. Chiasmus is a b b a, and it goes mm. um, things mm. like um, let me get a few of them here. Um, when the tough get going, the going get tough. Winners mm. never quit, and quitters never win. I grew up with uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash saying, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're love with. Love the one you're yeah. with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my wife wasn't a fan of that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you start to realize that uh, people like um, uh, like Malcolm X, a civil mm. rights activist, Malcolm X used it. He said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. Mm-hmm. Okay. He also said, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. These are yeah. powerful lines. I grew up with John F. Kennedy saying, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. Now, if he just said, hey, come on, everybody, you got to contribute. Is anybody going to respond? No. But when yeah. you say it in brain glue, if you say it with chiasmus, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. It resonates with us in our heart, in our, mm-hmm. in our emotional part of our mind. It's really powerful. He also said, um, mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. Now, these mm-hmm. are deep, powerful things. Yeah. Uh, Mae West had some fun ones. Mae West was like, you know, in the beginning of the movie industry when the movie era started. And she was like, you know, she was great. I, I never saw that. I'd have to do a biography of her. She did a play on Broadway called Sex. And she actually got arrested for it. And they said, well, we're going to, we could arrest you for it. And she said, no, please arrest me for it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in the PR. Hey, it's I got arrested. for the play is going to be, you know. But she had a really funny one. She said, you know, women like a man with a past, but they prefer a man with a present. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that line. She said, uh, uh, good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but when you take a look at the brain glue elements, there's a brain glue element that I discovered. And it's Marilyn Monroe. 
So Marilyn, how did Marilyn Monroe become so famous? Okay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think of this. So first her name was um, Norma Race or Norma Jean. So yeah. she was, uh, she came up with Marilyn Monroe. There's a whole story behind how she came up with Marilyn Monroe, but Marilyn Monroe uses, um, you know, rep- the repetition of sounds, Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Okay. Her, her, the person she admired most was uh, Jean Harlow. Hmm. Jean Harlow was an early movie uh, uh, and she had platinum blonde hair. So what Marilyn Monroe did was she got the same lady that dyes uh, Jean Harlow's hair to dye her hair uh, platinum hmm. blonde. Okay. And so she looked that had that same color, but Marilyn Monroe had a beauty mark on the left side of her face. And so she'd covered up with makeup. But one day she's looking at Jean Harlow photographs and she notices Jean Harlow has a beauty mark sometimes on her face and sometimes on her chin. Or her chin. And she goes, wait a second, wait a second. She's, she doesn't even have a beauty mark. She's just drawing it in. And Marilyn realized the reason she puts a mark on her face is because it attracts attention to her face. Yeah. You know? And so what she did was Marilyn from that point forward would put a black mark on her face. In fact, one of the movies she did, I think Some Like It Hot or one of them, in her publicity photographs, she covered that up and she put a publicity she put a, a beauty mark on her chin just for fun. Okay. Yeah. But she recognized that putting the beauty mark on her face actually attracts attention and helps mm-hmm. make her stand out from the crowd. So um, uh, Cindy, uh, Cindy Crawford, you know, a top uh, supermodel. Mm-hmm. And when she was a kid, she had a beauty mark on her face, which she still has. And she begged her mom to – could she go to the doctor and get it removed? And her mom didn't. And she says right now she is so happy her mom didn't get the beauty mark removed. She believes – that, that beauty mark is part of the reason why she became a supermodel. Yeah. You know, I mean, just really, it's like if, if you ever see pictures of Madonna, Madonna has a beauty mark and sometimes it's on the left side and sometimes it's on the right side. So she's like <laughs> drawing that thing in. It's like, <laughs> give me a break. But, and what made me start investigating this, investigating this was there's a famous advertiser and what he did was he got Hathaway shirts. He made them f- massively successful. And the way mm-hmm. he did this is he had a model and a male model and he put a, an eye patch on the guy. Mm-hmm. You never see an eye patch on a male model, especially back then yeah. you wouldn't. And he was uh, David Ogilvy was his name. And uh, because he had all these fashion models doing regular pose, but he had an eye patch, it dra- attracted attention to the guy mm-hmm. and it made the, the ad stand out from the crowd. Cause everybody's used to an ad with a, a good looking guy with a, a suit on or a shirt on or whatever else. But here's a good-looking guy with an eye patch on. It's like, whoa. And when I saw that, I started to realize, well, I wonder how it's an asymmetry. You know, we like symmetry. We like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, symmetry is wired into us. We like balance. It's like, well, like, what's the most powerful tool of human interaction that exists? Do you know what it is? I'm using it mm-hmm. now, aren't I? Can you tell yeah. what I'm doing? I'm asking questions, aren't I? Yeah. Questions yep. are the most powerful tool of human interaction. Because if somebody asks you a question – we feel like we want to answer it. Now, I have groups of people I'll start saying it to, and a bunch of people will stop answering it. I say, in your yeah. mind, you're answering it, aren't you? And they go, yeah, I am. You know? But so we like, alliterate, uh, alliter- you know, we like alliteration, which is, I mean, uh, symmetry. Okay. And so that's why we watch crappy movies to the end of crappy TV shows. My wife is sitting and watching a TV show, and I said, oh, is it good? She said, no, it's terrible. I said, why are you watching it? Well, I want to see <laughs> how it turns out. Okay? Yeah. And so – Symmetry works, which is uh, reintegration. Sorry, reintegration, mm-hmm. not reintegration, but reintegration is our need for completion. So mm-hmm. when we when we do that, when we if we understand that we have patterns in our brain, and you like somebody tells you a joke or a story, 
comedians do this all the time and then they twist the end. You go like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, congratulations. Yeah. You know, a lot of people <laughs> went like, fool me twice, shame on me. It's like, what? Yeah. Whoa. You know? And so it's it's just really, it's amazing that when you take these tools and understand that they're wired into our brain, that if you can talk to somebody and you trigger different parts of the brain when you're talking to them, they're more likely to buy from you or reject you, okay? Reject somebody too. Like talk about rhyme. Um, I saw a show on Discovery Channel. I was talking about um, Wonder Bread and Wonder mm. Bread invented sliced bread, okay? Okay. But it was white. You know, they use bleach and all that stuff to bleach it. But when they use bleach, it kills all the good uh, vitamins and minerals from it, including uh, vitamin B3, which is essential for body health. And so mm. they, there was this illness that hit uh, America back then, like we had COVID recently, and it was called pellagra. And pellagra, if you have a, an absence of B3 in your diet, you get pellagra. You're more likely to get pellagra and you die, just like you know COVID and all that stuff. Hmm. So the competitors to Wonder Bread came up with this fantastic slogan because they hated Wonder Bread. And they said, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. <laughs> they literally took Wonder Bread dominated the marketplace. You know, you ever heard the expression, you know, that's the smartest sliced bread. That's the best thing yeah. since sliced bread. Well, they invented sliced bread and dominated the marketplace. And yet that simple phrase, the whiter your bread, the quicker your dead, collapsed their company. They almost went bankrupt and they had to invent fortified food. They added hmm. the niacin, and which, which puts B3 inside the, the bread and suddenly they had it and they were able to you know start selling it and said it were fortified with the vitamin B3 and all that stuff. Hmm. But it's just, it shows you how, you know, these tools are so wired into our bread, our brain that, um, you know, we can, uh, you know, if you can trigger them, then you can actually improve your ability to make a ton of money, basically. Yeah. Or to Absolutely. get your kids to go to bed on time. Yeah, exactly. Whatever whatever technique it is. So, James, is there anything new kind of in your world right now that you're, you know, besides promoting the book, uh, anything else new in your world? Well, the thing about Brain Glue is you add pieces. So pieces are coming up okay. that I'm adding that are really interesting, okay? Like the Marilyn Monroe thing. I, that's since yeah. the book. So it isn't in the book. I do talk about elements of that, but I never thought of that. And as I started researching it also, I realized how powerful that is. Also, I'm yeah. up for a TED Talk, with a TEDx Talk, which is really exciting, talking nice. about this and brain glue. Because it's, you know, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I went through, you know, we learn things in life and all that stuff. And it was really valuable. But with brain glue, they're realizing that these are things we see every day and we just don't recognize them. Hmm. You know, like somebody says something and it's really powerful and you go like, oh, wow. Now we hear something and it's really powerful. And you go, oh, yeah, brain glue, you know, yeah. That's alliteration or reintegration or whatever else it is, okay? Hmm. So so that's so Excellent. I have that coming up, which is pretty good. Outstanding. Well, um, fantastic talk. I, I enjoyed it. I love this concept. I mean, I, I growing up in the advertising business originally, that was my original career. David Ogilvy is a is a huge hero of mine. So uh, I I love the fact that you shared that story because uh he's I I've got his book behind me on the shelf. And I, I just absolutely love it. And he's funny, too. I mean, he was actually one of the funniest guys out there. So thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to reading the book. I have it on order. So, folks, I would encourage you. Uh, that'll be in the show notes uh, wherever you're listening or watching this. It'll be in the show notes there. Go ahead and click on it and uh, and buy the book. I, I think it's a very interesting and intriguing topic. And I'm interested in learning more on my end. Yeah, so, James. A thing on this, you can go to Brain Glue Book, 
amazon.com. It'll take you to the Amazon page. You don't have to search Amazon to find it. And by the way, even if you don't buy the book, you got to listen to the audio book portion of it. We have this guy, Johnny Unitas. By the way, he changed his name to Johnny Unitas. It's like, what? Am I talking to Johnny Unitas? He's a, you know, anyway, but he's hilarious. And we have this story of a a town in uh, Canada that came up with such an unusual, such an unusual slogan that people started putting on bumper stickers and T-shirts and everything else. The Rolling Stones, uh, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, at their concerts, actually share the share this with their audience. That's how hilarious it is. In fact, it was so hilarious that what happened was after two years and everybody, it's all over websites and everything else. They apologized, like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> they said, sorry, we didn't think it was going to, we didn't realize it was going to, uh, people are going to be offended by it. Yeah, right. Yeah. After their, their tourism tripled. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, you know, that's fun. Braingluebook.com will help Braingluebook.com. Okay. Well, we'll include that on our show notes page as well. So, James, thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for sharing. And uh, and I love the, the mission you're on with this. So, fantastic. Uh, folks. We record these shows uh, every week and we put them out there on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So I uh, hope you have the opportunity to uh, subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you subscribe because we have these coming out on a regular basis and we have wonderful guests like James on all the time. So thank you. We'll see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 